of all of the remarkable actions of Jesus in his earthly ministry, there are at least two that have found their way into popular conversations. One is Jesus turning the water into wine at the wedding feast of Cana. And the other is today's gospel story of Jesus walking on the water. These two stories seem to trigger our own imagination and even sometimes our wishful thinking. I think every priest has been asked at least once about the miracle at Cana. When a person with tongue in cheek would say, now Father, have you ever tried that at home? Uh, no. And as for walking on the water, the only time that might have been helpful to me was when I was playing golf. However, it is often said that we pray hardest when we confront a situation that we cannot resolve on our own. Whether it is a major crisis or some minor difficulty that happens to all of us many times in life, we inevitably turn to God and we, we cry out, God, you've got to help me, or words to that effect. This is not a bad thing. We reach out to God, not so much in doubt, but in faith. We reach out to God to be our safety net, to rescue us from encountering consequences that we don't know and, and perhaps don't even understand. We just know that it may not be good if we are left to our own resources. And, and deep down, we believe that God cares enough to lift us up. We need the hand of God to reach out to us. John Shea, the spiritual poet and writer, had a poem many years ago where he was talking about a person who might be described as a uh, occasional believer. And this particular person was in an airplane at 35,000 feet. And he, he said in the poem, you know, I don't normally pester God for things that go on in my life. I, I think God has other things to do and I have other things to do myself. However, when the plane suddenly dropped through an air pocket, some voice deep inside of me said, oh my God, and faith surfaced. The disciples found themselves in such a predicament, in a storm, in a boat, in the middle of the night, a few miles offshore. The reader of Matthew's account cannot help but feel the desperation of these disciples. We have all been in our own boats, a few miles offshore, 
untethered, as it were, from something solid. Encountering our own storms and imitating the cry of Peter, Lord, save me. Jesus, in the Gospel story, recognizes their feeling of abandonment, and he comes toward them. He comes toward them. And like a parent, reassuring a child, he says, it is I, do not be afraid. The situation is resolved, God is at hand, the storm of life has passed, and fear turns to calm. Once again, the love of Christ settles into our consciousness. But let's not leave Peter just for the moment, who in his cry to the Lord reminds us that our spiritual journey is not ended. In fact, with Peter, there is always a new awareness, an awareness that he wanted to be like the Lord. He wanted to have that power of God over the, the cosmos in case another storm should arrive. And in Peter's case, it did, and often in ours too. So Peter doesn't walk on the water and sink because he's impatient and because he wants to show up the other disciples. He walks on the water and then sinks because he doesn't realize that he's still the disciple. He is not the teacher. He still has to learn the path of life that will bring other fears and other moments of challenge. And in those times, he cannot be, we cannot be, the occasional believer. We can call on the Lord only if we walk with the Lord in the meantime. Dealing with the challenges of life, it seems to me with our own resources, not just a time to get God's help with a sudden burst of faith or impatience, but a time to strengthen our faith in the Lord who comes toward us in every moment of our life. Consider Elijah, an unhappy and depressed prophet. There's nothing worse than a depressed prophet. He simply wants to die. And he goes up the mountain and into a cave, the author says, to take shelter, which really means to give up. Just give up. He believes that God has actually forgotten who he is. Note that in the Gospel, Matthew tells us that Jesus also went up the mountain to pray, to be in communion with God. And so God comes to Elijah and urges Elijah to be in communion 
with God's self and tells Elijah, go out to the front of the cave. And there was a wind. And there was an earthquake. And there was fire. All cosmic, biblical signs of God, the presence of God. And a prophet like Elijah would expect to see God in those signs. But no, God appears in a tiny, whispering sound, in the sound of sheer silence, in a cosmic stillness. Does this not tell us that God is also present when life is going well, when we are still, when we are at peace, not just when we are in turmoil? God is present not because we cry out, but because our God is a God who truly desires to seek us and to accompany us. If we find it necessary to turn to God when the waters are rough, we should also turn to God when the waters are smooth, when life is unfolding and we are embraced by that God. What's most important is that we're in the same boat together.